0: good morning and welcome back to intrepid business i am your host todd Schneck. Been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. I stumbled upon this gentleman several years ago. He put out a best-selling book, a New York Times best-selling book called Insanely Simple. My whole life philosophy, my whole business philosophy has been more of a minimalist business practices and simple business principles. And this guy wrote the book on it, and and uh, he and I connected, and I interviewed him several years ago about that book. And he has a new one out that I'm really excited about. It kind of continues that story of simple business principles is also has a pretty interesting business history. So looking forward to having him back. Let's say hello to Ken Siegel. He's a former ad guy for Steve Jobs and Apple, and he's currently an author and speaker. Ken, welcome back. Well, well, well. Thank you. It's good to be back. It's good to have you. I appreciate you making time. I know you're an awfully busy fellow, so I appreciate you stopping by and giving us some time. Ken, I suspect our audience is familiar with you. Certainly, they are familiar with the work you have done, but take a few quick seconds. uh, Tell us a bit about
1: you, your background, and some of that cool work you've been a part of. I'm an advertising guy. That's the easy way to to say it. I've always told people that I'm an advertising guy who doesn't like advertising. Basically, I just like to write about things that I like to write about. So for me, that was technology. And I started out in the business and I had the good fortune to work on a couple of technology accounts. But that led me to work on Apple in the days of John Scully. And that led me to work on Next when Steve Jobs started that company. And from there, my relationship with Steve, when he went back to Apple, I went back to working with him at at Apple's ad agency then. So basically, 12 years with Steve Jobs as my client overall, and they were the most exciting years of my advertising life, obviously. And it was my experience with Steve and Apple that gave me this appreciation for the power of simplicity, because I really do think it is at the core of everything that that Apple has done that, that has made it so successful. So that's what led me to write these books. And that's made me a nonstop blogger and author and speaker. And life has been generally pretty good. Outstanding. So any uh, particular advertisement with Apple that you were a part of that people would be familiar with? Well, there's the Think Different campaign, yeah. which was the uh, most important moment. If you ask me about my personal favorite, we can get into that later. But Think Different was You know a watershed moment for Apple because when Steve came back the company was near bankruptcy and things did not look good at all he was like the only person on earth who could who could fix things because he was the founder and he had come home you know to to make things right again so it was a an interesting process because Apple at the time was kind of bloated and mediocre and Steve restored it you know got that that spark of innovation going again and You know, we all know the story how he hooked up with uh, Johnny Ive, who was about ready to pack it in at Apple and told him things are going to change. And, you know, it all worked out amazingly well. And Think Different sort of defined that moment when Apple was just in the recovery stage. We had no computers to talk about yet. So we did this brand campaign that basically put the stake in the ground and said, Apple is alive and well. The. Creative spirit inside Apple is alive and well. So that was the whole idea of that campaign to sort of fill the space before they could, uh, up until they could get the iMac out the door. And that would be like about six, seven months after Steve returned. So Think Different was that thing that captured Apple's spirit. And the reason why I thought it looked, worked so well, by the way, is that it captured Apple's spirit all the way back to the beginning in Steve's dad's garage, basically. That's what the company was always about. So the words, really seemed to fit Apple well, and Steve Jobs really, really loved the, the whole idea of that campaign.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, it's truly one of the great campaigns in advertising as far as I'm concerned. But one of the ways that Apple thought differently was this: applying these simple business procedures to, to how they operated. And obviously Steve was a, a, the key driver in that. Probably the key to Apple's success was simplicity. And so that was obviously what led you to write the last book, which was called Insanely Simple, which told the Apple story and how Steve Jobs did that. But the new book is called Think Simple, How Smart Leaders Defeat Complexity. And so that kind of continues the story. So why did you have to write this one? I thought the first book was pretty much told the story the way it needed to be told, why why this one?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I used to give these speeches and afterward people would tell me how much they loved the whole concept that simplicity was something that was so important but didn't get talked about enough. And then they would say, so how do we do it? And I realized that the answer wasn't quite as simple. It, it wasn't. It had to be more than just be like Apple, you know, because Apple is, a, is unique and, and the things that Steve did at Apple can't necessarily be done by everyone. So I decided to go out in the world and talk to a whole bunch of other business leaders and find out, you know, how they felt about the power of simplicity, how they were implementing it in their businesses, how, how they have implemented it and succeeded and what their plans for the future were. And really... The idea was that if you read, you know, the ideas of 40 business leaders about how they have simplified that you would get some interesting ideas for how you might implement simplicity in your own business. Because these guys were in many, many different industries and a lot of the things they talked about were unique, but then there were so many things they talked about that were common to any business. So I think overall it gives you just a really interesting idea of the power of simplicity and, and some inspiration for ways you might get it to work in your business.
0: Well, it's funny when you think through the roster of the organizations that you talk to for this book that embody simplicity. It's a veritable who's who of the successful organizations that we're aware of. And I think the common denominator is this idea, this embracement of simplicity. So just in case someone is not familiar with your writing and your work, I mean, lead us off by explaining why. Because uh, you argue that simplicity is the most important, the most potent weapon a business can have.
1: Why? Well, I think that every human being has built into uh, his or her DNA this desire for a simpler way. I mean, uh, the easy way to put it is that if there are two paths to the same end, you, of course, would choose the simpler one. It's just a natural thing to do. And I think that was something that Steve Jobs certainly embraced. And he realized that there were a lot of ways to get technology in people's hands. But if he could do it in a way that would make things simpler for people, they would gravitate toward that. So you know, obviously, it's a, a little deeper than than just that. But but Apple has succeeded by putting these very simple solutions in people's hands, letting letting ordinary people do extraordinary things. And I believe that's because it, the the products are so easy to fall in love with because they have that simplicity going for them. And I think any company that delivers a simpler solution will will do better than the company that delivers a more complicated solution. Again, I don't think it's brain surgery simple things register quickly they're more memorable you you know what you need to do you don't have to think too hard about it and, you know all these things that that human beings like to do you know that we prefer to to live our lives in that way than be cluttered with all the complexities and the inability to make decisions because there are way too many choices and we're not sure what to do that kind of a thing so and the the great thing about simplicity is it isn't just like a product thing, it's, it's a company organization thing. And a lot of these people I talk to talk about their ability to cut through all the different layers and, and make give people more direct responsibilities, reporting to one person, that kind of a thing, and having these principles that guide the company that are so clear and everyone is aware of. I mean, it goes on and on that all these these interesting people who have successful businesses gave me their impression of of. Why simplicity works for them, and uh, how they you know find new ways to keep the business to keep the si- the business simple as it grows bigger, that's the real trick because pretty much any business starts simple and then it gets biz- bigger and more successful, and all these things start layering on top of that. so it it really is just a you know a look at at many different techniques, most of which are applicable to you know most any kind of organization. Yeah, this, I this, found it very inspiring. <laughs> this doesn't apply to just one type of organization
0: or one. It's not just technology. I mean, it's any kind of organization, any size organization. You could sit there and say, all right, well, I just have a small little mom and pop shop. There's just a couple of us.
1: Uh, but you, if you're not careful, you can even make that complex too, right? Correct. And I think that's the, it's an interesting mix of companies in this new book. Uh, and I set that out at the beginning about why I did that, because I think, as you just said, simplicity applies to pretty much any kind of organization on Earth. So I've got like some startups, some big established, you know, huge companies like the, you know the biggest telecom in Australia, a company called Telstra that that grappled with complexity and found ways to simplify. And then there there's some companies that started very very small, like Ben and Jerry's, that became a global company. And like, what did they do to keep it simple as it got bigger and and sort of you know fight off the the evil forces of complexity as they got bigger, a lot of different stories in there. Everyone has sort of their own take on it. Well, I just I don't want people listening to think, all right, well, you're talking to an
0: ad man, so we're talking about more simple advertising. No, I mean it, to to continue what you mentioned a minute ago. This applies to virtually every. Not virtually every every facet of an organization, even stuff that the public doesn't see, right? I mean, this has to be this has to be embedded into the culture, and this to be driven into to every member of that organization, and, and it touches everything, right? I mean, this is this is not just all right. Well, we have ten products; we don't
1: need ten. We can just skim that down to four products. No, it's more than that, right? Yeah, absolutely, and you know, I start off with the the basics because a, a company that has a mission, for example you know something that will influence the decisions and behaviors of of people if it's clear and strong and it it just sort of unites the company with this over overall force that that keeps them moving forward together but then there are these things that are kind of attached to that there's the company's values and the culture which is probably the most important thing because it's it's the environment in which people work and what they feel you know, the company stands for. And, and the values of some of these companies are so, so strongly, I, I don't want to say enforced because it's not really a police action. <laughs> it's right. it's just they're, they're a, a strong presence and it's hard to work in these places uh, without absorbing that culture. And that culture sort of, you know, points you in the right direction. So, you know, the culture is a result of the values of a company. And the mission, of course, is Im- embedded in, in all of that. So those are the things that are kind of, maybe even the more obvious ones if you're an advertising person, because we always talk about, you know, brand and, and culture and that kind of a thing. But, but it actually goes deeper too. It's just, it's in hiring practices, you know, how do they find people who are going to fit in their culture? You know, it has to do with the, you know, the, the, the kinds, not just like the product features of the things they make, but, but how many things are you going to sell to people and are they all consistent with your mission and, and issues like that. And these, these leaders grapple with all of those things, and and it's interesting because they have their own leadership style. Some of them are very, very serious about top-down management. They make the decisions. They drive people, you know, like you know, with a Steve Jobs kind of vision. But then there's some that are highly collaborative, and and they they almost sit back and they act as more as a, a, a guiding force. But they all have this belief in simplicity, and they implement it in their own ways, you know, given the kind of company they have. So there's a lot, of, a lot of different ways to do it, but it's the end result that's, that's important, whether the business can be clear in its mission, its values, its culture, the products it makes, the, thing, the ways it communicates, the people it hires, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: All right. Ken Siegel and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. In today's workplace, business leaders face significant pressure to recruit and retain the best employees, to effectively build a team, to create a culture that is healthy, productive and dynamic, and to empower their staff in managing stress and finding balance. And behind all those pressures is one goal, to strengthen and grow the business. And too many organizations struggle with this. Unlimited Coaching Solutions provides customized strategies and training to help reach your goals and take your teams to the next level. Call them today at 585-248-9322 or find them online at UnlimitedCoaching.com. All right, I am back with Ken Siegel, the author of a new book, Think Simple, How Smart Leaders Defeat Complexity. So, you touched on it right before the break, and I was going to ask you this, and I think you sort of answered it, but i want to I want to hammer it home. You don't need to have a very strong force of personality like a Steve Jobs to make this work, right? I mean, as you said, any
1: kind of a leader, whether one is top down or collaborative, can make this work. That's very true. And, I talk about Apple a lot because it's something that fascinates people. I mean, everyone you know knows Apple and they know that they know the story and they're intrigued by it and all that. But I, I do try to point out that Apple is a unique case in that Steve Jobs was unique. We're not going to see the likes of him for a long time to come. And no matter how a company or a leader might want to emulate Steve, they're not going to be Steve. I mean, everybody is their own thing. And then the big question is, do you really want to be like Steve? Because he had that side that that was sort of dangerous and dark. Right. So, you know, again, it was gratifying to talk to a lot of these people and and hear what kind of leaders they are. Because some of them are just, you know, personality-wise, you know, the the total opposite of a Steve Jobs, but they have very strong beliefs and and values and and inject those things into their companies. And they and some of them run a very very top-driven company where they do make the decisions and, and make it very clear that the decisions are coming from them. But then again, like, as I said, there are places like uh, the Container Store. They have like one of the most successful businesses around. They are uh, they just do amazingly well every year. I forget the number exactly, but, uh, but they've been like uh, profitable, you know, to, it's like more than 20 consecutive years. I mean, it just goes on and on for them. And that's a highly collaborative business there where it it is not, you know, a, a dictator kind of situation. Although I, I should point out too, by the way, in passing, although people believe that's what Apple was, clearly it was not. Steve was a very strong leader, but he was also very highly collaborative. He just sort of kept a lot of the the pieces, you know, running independently of each, of one another and he had the grand vision, but he was certainly collaborative. He didn't just tell people what to do. He hired the brilliant and empowered them to exercise their brilliance. I'm not sure if I've answered your question oh, yet. Oh yeah, I think absolutely. So. Collaborative. See, not the down. thing
0: I want to I want to emphasize here is even what most would consider a large enterprise organization, maybe even one with uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of retail outlets. You still can operate a simple business with that. Right? I don't. I don't want people to think. oh well, you know, uh, uh, a large a large chain that manages thousands of outlets. Uh, there's no way that
1: can be a simple organization, but it can be, right? Yeah, and, and of course, the word "simple" is relative. I mean, you know, you get a huge company or even Apple. You could look at it. It's got you know, 400 retail stores and and business offices all around the world. I mean, you know, in certain respects, it will never be simple, but. My point about Apple is that at 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 the management level, it, it is amazingly simple. You know, far more so than a lot of the other companies I've I've worked with. But my best example, I think, for a, a big company, there were a few in my book, but Telstra, this largest telecom in Australia, they had horrible, horrible customer service issues. Their ratings were way down. Their stock price was basically cut in half. Things were very, very bad, and they went on a campaign to simplify and it was an interesting story to me because the gentleman who was in charge of that effort, uh, a man named Robert Nason, he was on, uh, one of the executive team members at Telstra. He had like a, a five or six year plan because he knew it couldn't be done overnight. But the things he said were, were really the kinds of things that we all talk about when we go to lunch, you know, when we work at big companies and we say, yeah, this is kind of screwy. We should do it this way and not that way. He he sort of embraced all of those things and was trying to change the culture of the company because he recognized that it was a cultural thing. They're just little behaviors like the way people would make presentations and there was sort of this unwritten rule that you had to have one slide for every minute you're talking and people were going to give a 40 minute presentation they would bring 40 slides with them and, mm-hmm. and whether or not they needed them and, and and things like that and he said we have to just change the way people think here this we don't want to act like a big company because that's what people are doing. They're just doing everything in so many different layers. And and when there's a problem, they wouldn't, like, try to fix it. They would sort of create a workaround. And he said, you, you know, workarounds abound in places like that. And you've got processes on processes. And he tried to just, like, really streamline. But the way he did that was by empowering people who didn't think they had a voice anymore. And they were actually the most important voice. And those... Were the people who worked in the stores and interacted with customers directly? They have a, a lot of retail outlets, and the people who did the installations in people's homes—they were the ones who were, who were getting the brunt of all the dissatisfaction. So, they basically empowered these people and brought them into the big meetings, and and made it clear to the workforce that that the leadership team really, really cared. They had to demonstrate that, and there were a number of ways they did it, but what they did was fire up the the workforce to uh, to get involved one of the people i talked to had this great line he said simplicity is like motherhood nobody is against it and basically what what he was talking about was that you can get up and, and give a speech to a big company and you know have your you know, the offsite meeting or the annual meeting or whatever and you have this new initiative and people sort of you know some people may get inspired. Some people may roll their eyes. I mean, these things happen all the time in business. But if you stand up there and say, we are going to simplify this company, that practically every hand in the joint goes up and people say, how can I help? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because Everybody wants to work in a simpler place. Everybody thinks they currently work in a place that's too complicated. And I'm using absolutes here. Maybe not everybody, but many, many people. And I would I certainly would say most people. So there are always things to do inside a company to make things simpler. And, you know, one other thing to do is just to follow the way an idea goes from from beginning to end. And you see all these different forces that act on it, you know, that change it. People trying to put their mark on things because that's what we do. We like to show everyone that we're smart and you're being paid a salary. If something comes by you, you will rarely say, I like it exactly the way it is. You feel like changing it. So. And it's fine. Some people should have that ability and and you want to hear all the smart ideas, but it's a question of keeping all that under control. Some companies just have so many different layers of approvals and so many committees and to review things that what comes out at the end just isn't nearly as sharp and, and wonderful as what started. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's always been a thing that drove Steve jobs is protecting ideas from beginning to end. And a lot of these guys I talked to had a very similar feeling about giving people responsibility, not having like 20 people work on the same thing. But, of course, key to that is having really good people. So that's when the hiring thing comes into play. Boy, is, is that an, an obvious, if you're listening, you
0: say, well, how do I understand if my organization is simple? It, it is, It is. What? how does it handle a new idea? <laughs> that's a great way to think yeah. about it. And, and if you really understand the flow of that from beginning to, uh, either a de- decision to implement it or, or not. That the process by which it goes through it can tell you a whole lot about about you know, moves you can make to simplify that process. Fascinating. I guess there's really yeah. two main scenarios. Well, there's probably more than that, but two that I'm thinking of are probably the more common scenarios within organizations. One is an organization you de- you determine is complex, and so right, what are some things we can do to simplify it? But the other, and what I want to talk about now is, all right, what are some moves an organization can make at its inception, at the beginning, and develop a strategy and processes to defeat complexity before it takes root? I mean, that's that's a, that's a an important
1: discussion as well. How, talk about that yeah. a bit. How do you do that? I, I Like a good politician, I may pivot a little bit here. Sure, sure. <laughs> but I was going to say, but I think it's applicable to the question you just asked, too, One of the things I found these people had in common was this ability to sort of step outside their own business and look at it as a a customer would. And, And I think Steve Jobs had that to the extreme, and that's why he put this priority on customer experience. And that meant really looking at the way you know, people would react to the commercials, to packaging, to the retail stores, to the, you know, the interface and the products and the way it looked and felt and all that stuff. And he was particularly brutal about his uncompromising, you know, way of looking at those things. I think a lot of these people are able to do that to, you know, not be conscious of like the compromises that have to be made and like, well, yeah, this isn't ideal, but we had to do it for this reason or that reason. Because a Steve jobs kind of character just says, I don't care what your excuse is. We're not doing it that way. Figure it out, you know? Mm -hmm. So the ability to stand outside your business and see it, you know, fresh. And that doesn't necessarily even mean outside looking at as a customer, maybe even as an employee, but looking at the things that people have to go through you know, the the bottom line is, if you, if it is directed toward the customer, is the experience so good that people would talk about it to their friends and, and workmates or whatever? I mean, or do they just kind of interact with you and then go on their merry way? And I think the idea is to provide an experience that is so good people talk about it. And they they are not only loyal, but they recruit others to, to join them in something that they find that good. And, you know, that's how social media works. Something you like something, you talk about it and it sort of spreads around. So there is this thing about being uncompromising about the user experience, about being able to step outside and, and see your company for exactly what it is. Whereas everybody who's inside may say this isn't exactly right, but this is the best we can do. Well, you know, for a lot of these people, that just isn't good enough. And they, they will rip something apart until it is perfect so that it can give, you know, their customer or their employee, whatever, the, the best possible experience. And it just takes a special kind of leader, I think, to do things like that, to to not accept, you know, any degree of compromise and, and always, you know, aim for 100%.
0: Well, I mean, the goal of this book is to help organizations build a lasting, profitable organization. And the stories of an organization starting simple but becoming more complex as it ages and grows and evolves, those stories are endless. And and just, I mean, what's the... You've touched on it, but I just want to I want to try to dribble down into where we can say what What are some real hardcore moves we can make to to maintain that? Because he built it into the culture. It's not just a matter of putting up a cool yeah. portrait of Steve Jobs on the wall and saying we're going to try to emulate what he did. I mean, this this has to this is daily work, right? This is not something that you decide put up a good motivational poster on the wall and be done with it. I mean, this is this is a process that requires a lot of discipline and constant focus, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely that. Because that's what I heard from pretty much everybody, that you can just never relent. Because if you if you step back and say, OK, things are really humming now, you know, it, complexity has this way of just sort of, you know, growing in the cracks again and making things more difficult for people. So it is a question of, of you know, of vigilance. And I think with some of these companies, and the Container Store is probably a good example, Charles Schwab was another one. Some of these companies sort of come up with a a code. You know, this is what this company stands for, and these six things. Personally, I've never liked working for companies like that. I think it's like a little too hitting you over the head with things, but it works in a lot of places. You go to an Apple kind of place, they don't have big meetings and say, these are the things we stand for. If, If you don't know what Apple stands for, you probably shouldn't be there. I mean, that's just kind of obvious what Apple stands for. But these other companies you know, when they have just uh, uh, thousands of people helping customers at the retail level or whatever, they do have sort of a a mission uh, with these, you know, different aspects to it that they reinforce continuously. They don't just have like a, you know, a sign by the time clock where people punch in and out every day. I mean, they have like big events and they celebrate these values and they they encourage people to act in, in in accordance with these values. And the idea is, especially uh, in a place like the container store, they don't want to have bosses looking over everybody's shoulder all the time. They say, we want you to be unique, act on your, your own best judgment. These are our goals. These are the, the ways we, we like to behave here. But once you know that, you are free to do anything you want to achieve those goals. And that's kind of empowering to people. And they tend to not leave because they, they love sort of this feeling of freedom, but they're operating within a very, you know, with under the umbrella that makes things so clear for them. There's such great focus at these companies that, you know, the the kind of clarity that, that comes with that makes people, you know, far less frustrated with their jobs. I think if you talk to frustrated people, you find that they just, I don't know what they want me to do. I I don't know what we're trying to do or, you know, whatever, those kinds of things like it just is too hard to do what I'm supposed to do you know if if you really care about succeeding and and motivating and empowering people you you make it very clear what it is they need to do and then you 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 reward them for using their own creativity to get from here to there well chances
0: are if you have frustrated employees or you really struggle to innovate and get new ideas out out in the world chances are it's because of complexity and you have to examine that And simplify those things, Uh, and that's just like like we've been talking about. This is this is an ongoing effort. On that thought, what I want to do is I want to close on a, a, a final discussion around Apple. We've talked a lot about Apple today and Steve Jobs, and obviously you spent many years working with him and know him well and understood how Simplicity worked for him and for that organization. But what about the Apple of 2016? Is, is it a case study today for, here's an organization that even though Steve Jobs has, has passed and, and it has been several years now, they continue to embody this? Or is an example of a company
1: moving away from that idea of Simplicity? What, what's, the, what's the current Apple story? Well, that's always a tough one because there's so much analysis and over analysis on apple and i really i'm a fanboy. i have to admit that but i also try to be objective and i give apple tough love sometime uh and i've been defending them quite a bit in the last five years since steve passed away but i do have certain issues with the apple of today and and you know you're not inside it's a little hard you know, it's unfair to just say why don't they do this and why don't sure, they do that first, because you know they're things we can't understand but but there are things like most recently with the um with the Mac line getting its refresh and its 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 refresh was only one computer, the MacBook Pro. <laughs> and everyone was waiting for all the big, you know, the big new Mac stuff. And you've got a Mac a Mac Pro and an iMac and a Mac Mini and, and the MacBook Pro. And only one of those computers got upgraded. And it's been like four years since the Mac Line really had some interesting news. So those are the things where I know I don't know what's going on in there, but you know, Apple. Sometimes people get frustrated that they don't do, you know, innovate enough if to their liking. But then the comeback is always like, well, yes, but they're always improving what they have. And that's, you know, Apple does both of those things. Well, suddenly I'm even starting to feel like, well, what happened to those improvements we're supposed to be doing every year? Right, <laughs> so right. I want a new Mac. I want a new iMac. So I think there is something going on there that I, I don't necessarily love. And I'm concerned about that. But I still think the values of the company run very deep. And I think Steve did a great job of of burning his values into the company's DNA. So I don't doubt that they believe in the same thing. But there is something, you know, it's about cracking the whip or, or, you know, the the resources they have. Do they have enough people in development? You know, I don't don't know what, what it is, but something does feel a little off. And it's hard to say whether it's a simplicity-complexity thing because, again, we don't have access to, to do that kind of analysis. But, all right, all right. Um, but Apple does have a bit of a different feel today. And, I mean, it, obviously it has to have that because Steve Jobs isn't there. He was unique. It will never, ever feel the same. But there are some things going on that, that are of concern to the, the true Apple fans.
0: Yeah, well, and I'm like you. I'm a fanboy, and, and uh, we're recording this on a MacBook, and uh, I'm looking at my iPhone next to me, and my iPad's over there. I mean, so yeah, I'm not, and I'm, a, I will continue to be uh, a, an Apple fan. I, but it does, it, and maybe, <laughs> maybe Ken, because of of my friendship with you and my my fanboyness of your of of the book about Apple simplicity, and, and and I think about that almost every time I think about Apple is is. Is this organization still focusing on those things? And I worry about that. And and I guess I brought up the question because I want people listening to to say, all right, well, here's an I mean, you wrote the book on how Apple got to where it became the most valuable company on the earth. And and the lessons learned from that are why it did that. And so it's a great way to continue to observe how an organization like Apple, with all of its resources, how even they may sometimes stray off that path, or and as you said, we don't really know. It'd be fun to, to study that in ten years' time to see if we have a better, clearer understanding of that. But but here's an organization that was, you know, probably I don't know if it still is, but it might still be the most valuable organization on the earth. How you know how even even an organization like that can struggle to, to follow those those principles. So it's a it's a very true.
1: important lessons to, yeah. to to observe there. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and that's why we uh, talk about the constant vigilance that's required. Right. You know, it's, it's, Tim Cook obviously isn't. You know, he's he's one part of what Steve Jobs was. He's this. You know, he he knows how to run a company, but you know the the visionary thing is lacking, and perhaps you know his ability to lean on people to do the impossible for for all we know. Right. But uh, it's a different company now, and I think uh, still my favorite company, but. Things will change, as they always do, and I yeah. think we'll look back in twenty years, and we won't even recognize the Apple of today because so many things change so quickly. All right, all right.
0: Well, and not to say that an organization does have to evolve, and, and uh, but. In doing so, you still, in my view, have to continue to apply these, these principles of, of simplicity. So it will be fun to see how that continues to unfold. Ken, we're out of time for today. Okay. Before I let you go, uh, should anyone have any questions? How can they find you? And most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of
1: Think Simple? Well, that is the important question, isn't it? Well, yes. kensegal.com, K-E-N-S-E-G-A-L-L. Dot com And you can find my blog there and book information and stuff like that, or just go to Amazon and put in my name, but, you know, insanely simple and think simple. You know, the blog is fun. I encourage comments and discussion. We talk about you know Apple and beyond, but the world of technology and marketing, it's kind of fun. Mm. I enjoy it. <laughs> All right. Ken Siegel, former
0: ad guy with Steve Jobs and Apple, an author and speaker, and the author of a new book called Think Simple, How Smart Leaders Defeat Complexity. Ken, as always, sir, great to have you. Appreciate it again you stopping by and joining us. Okay, thanks, Todd. Let's do it again sometime. Outstanding. All right, well, it's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Ken Siegel, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to IntrepidMailingList.com. That's IntrepidMailingList.com and sign up. You can also find us at intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now, get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.